The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. My talk today is uh, why go to church? Why go to church? Uh, you know, especially on Sunday when, you know, we've worked hard all week. There's so much stuff to do. And Sunday might be the only time when we can catch up uh, and get that stuff done that we didn't get done during the week. And then also, it's the only day that we get to chill, you know, to just kind of hang out. And um, so that, that's another reason not to come. And um, then there's also apparently football starting. And who knew? You know, they never... <laughs> They never tell anything about football in this town, but uh, apparently that's starting as well. So there's a lot of reasons not to come, but there, there are great reasons to come. And I know the reason that people come to church. I know why you're here today. It's for the announcements. Am I right? Am I right? That's why we're here. That's why we're here. But uh, today I want to go just a little bit deeper as well, because there's other reasons that we're here. Um, you know, it's no, it's no secret that church attendance has been declining for the last 20 years or so. You know, in 1999, about 70% of people said that they went to church fairly regularly. Now it's about 50% of people go. And we can see that it's still declining. About 20 years ago, there was maybe 8% of people said, you know, I'm not affiliated with any kind of religious institution. Now it's about 19%. So that's the way the trend is going. So church is going through a shakeup. And I think it needs a shakeup. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. We've been let down a lot by religious institutions in different ways. All the stories that have come out about hypocrisy and abuse and bad things happening in religious institutions have caused a lot of people to turn away from it. And I understand that. And so what we want to look at today is, is there, a good, is there a good reason for us to be a part of a spiritual group, be a part of a spiritual community? And it's a journey. I can remember when I first started going to church with, uh, with my mother and my aunt, a little town in upstate New York, and uh, we would always go to the Baptist church every Sunday, sit in pew number 11, that was our pew, and... Uh, you know, we'd sing a song out of the hymnal, and they would have the, the number up on the board, and we'd sing a song, and then the kids would go down front, and we would have what's called the junior sermon. The kids would sit down front, and the uh, minister would come down, tell a little story, friendly little story, three or four minutes, and then uh, we would all get to go downstairs, and it was great downstairs. I loved it down there in Sunday school, you know, great people, nice teachers, um, and great stories. Great stories about God and Jesus and how God loved all of us. Every single one, you know, everyone was cared for. And another thing was great down there is they had snacks. And I really appreciated that. <laughs> but I just felt so at home down there and just felt the love down there and, and how I really belonged down there. And I always, I always loved it. And I still remember it that way. And then when I got to be a teenager, you know, I got baptized and then I got to go upstairs into, into the big room, you know, where the, where the main service was going on and where the, the main talk was being given. And wow, it just seemed like a different God was working up in the upstairs room than was working in the downstairs room. 
You know, and I'm thinking, what happened to that other God that we were talking about downstairs that loved me all the time and loved us unconditionally, cared about each one? Upstairs, it was about judgment, and it was about vengeance, and it was about anger. I didn't really relate to this guy or think that it would be cool for me to hang out with that guy. And so I started to separate from those ideas. Because there was a lot of judgment in that message and about whether or not we were going to make the cut or whether we were going to wind up burning in some horrible place. And it didn't seem to me at that time as an adolescent that I'd be making the cut. I know some of you felt the same way. And so I said, I don't want to have a relationship with that God. And so as soon as I could get my mother to stop bugging me, I stopped going. And it was a long time before I went back to church, before I came to this place, found this community. The first thing I want to talk about this morning about a reason to go to church is community. I think community is one of the the greatest things that we have, this community that we have here, that we form together, that we are each a part of. You know, this teaching is about personal responsibility. It really is. It's a place for us to learn together, to grow together, to work on our stuff. You know, I remember when I came here long ago, the way that I got here, uh, my wife Stephanie and I had been married three or four years, I guess, and uh, we were separated at the time and living in different houses. And when I look back on it, I think, you know, our chances were probably pretty slim that we were going to make it. But somebody invited her to come here, and, and uh, so she started coming, and after a while, she invited me to come too. And I know that took some courage. Uh, and I wasn't really wild about the idea of going to church, to be absolutely honest, but I've been doing a lot of meditating, and uh, I thought, well, I could check this out. And I remember coming here for the first time and kind of getting, feeling like I was washed up on the shore here. Any other uh, shipwreck survivors here? Okay? Came the first time. Because there aren't many people who get up on a Sunday morning and go, man, life is great. Things are good. I think I'll go down to that really weird-looking place down in the corner and just kind of go in and see what happens. You know, it's usually some kind of change in our life situation that brings us here, some change in our relationship, some change in our situation, some break in the fabric of our lives that brings us to a place like this. So that's what brought me here. And I remember hearing the message from Dr. Fred, and what I got from it was things happen, and we can work on it, we can take responsibility for it, and we can make our lives better. And I said, okay, I'm all right with that. So we started meeting here on Sunday morning, Stephanie and I. And this community helped put us back together. Just to have a place to go, to work on things, and to raise the level of our discussions, and to raise the level of our uh, commitment to each other, and to be more honest, and to be more open, and to be more loving. And we were able to put it back together. And then our kids came along. And now, those kids got to grow up here. And to be a part of this community. And we all got to grow in this community. And now, it's been 41 years we've been together. 
Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know what would have happened without this place. So, you know, <clears throat> if you're here for the first time, or if you've been here many, many times, just feel the power of community that's in this room. A place where we can take responsibility for our lives and do our work and get past our stories. We've all got stories. Anybody here doesn't have a story? So we've all got them, but we're more than our stories. That's what I learned here. We're more than our stories and we can work on our stuff and we can grow in this beautiful container here. You know, my good buddy, Dr. Raz, who just retired recently, was a minister here for many, many years and had so much to do with uh, building our recovery ministry. One thing he said about addiction is that it, it grows in solitude and it's healed in community. Addiction grows in solitude and it's healed in community. And community is such a way that we can be seen and we can see other people. And we can know that we matter in the world. That's what community does for us. It gives us a place to feel like we're home. It's made such a difference in my life. You know, as, as, uh, as our kids were growing up here and we wanted more things for them, we expanded this youth ministry in this community. And it's an incredible thing now. Just the, started with planting those seeds that we wanted to make it better. And so that's one of the first reasons we come to church is for community. I can't imagine what my life would be like without this community. And the next reason I want to talk about a little bit is connection. Making a connection. We come here to remind ourselves of the connection we have with the living spirit. Right here. We affirm that connection. We affirm our oneness with a divine intelligence and a wisdom that is so much greater than we could even imagine. It's alive in us and we know it and we come here to remind ourselves of that, to remind ourselves to do our spiritual practice, to remind ourselves that there is nothing separating the world of spirit from the world of form. We put those separations in there. You know, one of the... uh, One of the things I've been doing here for a long time is singing that song, Surely the Presence, that we started here today. I've been singing that song at the beginning of services for probably over 20 years, thousands of times. I also sing it before every baptism, every wedding, every memorial. Sometimes people ask me, do you ever get sick of singing that song? Do you ever get sick of that? And my answer is always, not yet. I'm not sick of it yet. And the reason is, at the beginning of these services, when the lights go down and we sing that song together, I can feel us dropping into that connection. I can feel it in this room. I can feel everybody falling into their hearts. And what a joy it is to just be a part of that, to be a part of that ritual that we share here together. Feel us all in the room going, yeah, I made it. I made it. I saw the announcements, and I'm here for surely the presence. You know, last week I was up, uh, I was up in the mountains doing a wedding, beautiful wedding up there, and um, 
And just before it got started, I was outside getting my stuff together, and uh, one of the women was at the wedding came out and said, you know, the bride would like to see you. Uh, she and her son are in the room in the back, and she would like you to come in and talk to them. So I said, okay. So, you know, I got back there where they were, and, and she had a little six-year-old son, and uh, he was really struggling with the fact that, you know, she was getting married again, and he felt like he was losing her. And, and you know, he was dressed up in his tuxedo, and he was trying to hold it together, but he was really... He was really sad and freaking out. He wasn't particularly glad to see me either, but, uh, but I went in anyways. And, um, you know, it was just hard for him to understand and hard for him to accept. And um, I didn't have anything brilliant to say, but I said, when this um, ceremony starts in a few minutes, I'm going to be singing a song that you know. And I'd like you to sing it with me. You know, I could use some help out there. So if you would sing this song with me, it's surely the presence. You sing it in church, you remember it. That would really help me out. Can you do that? And he said, yeah, all right. So we had a little fist bump and uh, then went out there. And then just a few minutes later, he walks down with his beautiful mom and he's got his tuxedo on. And he comes down to the front and we stand there. And then I picked up my guitar and we looked at each other, had this smile. And man, he just belted it out with me, you know? Just belted out, truly, the presence. And why would I ever get tired of that? You know, it felt like uh, it felt like that community was being extended out into the out into the woods and out into this wedding to have that little boy feel like, yeah, I know, I know this song, I know this song, and I, I can do this, and I can be a part of this. And he just stood up strong stood up tall, and he just made it through that service in a beautiful way. That connection that we feel when we come in here, the connection that we feel when we do our spiritual practice, it's so important. One of the people who really brought me to this sense of connection was was Paramahansa Yogananda. You knew he was going to come into this service at some point. You knew that. He really brought me to the party and, the, and to the idea of uh, the importance of spiritual practice and of building this connection. He said that discard the false idea that there is a separation between spiritual and material life. Discard the idea that there is a separation between spiritual and material life. It's all one thing. And we want to stay connected all the time. It's not the kind of God we wind up on Sunday morning. It's the kind of God that's alive in us all the time, that informs our thoughts, that informs our actions. One of the concepts I got from Yogananda long ago that's always stuck with me, he talked about the idea that we are all drops in the ocean of spirit and that all the attributes of spirit are alive in each drop. That if you took a drop of ocean water out of the ocean and put it under a microscope, all the elements of the ocean would be in there. All the elements would be there. And so it is with us in the ocean of spirit. We have it in us and we need to stay connected with it. We need to be conscious of that. That's why we do our spiritual practice, to connect. This teaching is founded on meditation and affirmative prayer. That's what we do to stay connected. 
And we come here on Sunday mornings to remind ourselves to do that. To be in, to be in silence and meditation in a group like this really amplifies that feeling of connection. That there's something big and sacred and divine and holy that is alive all around us and within us right now. And to live from that place. To live from that place and to let those thoughts and those feelings direct our path. So we come here to connect. The last thing I wanted to talk about is consciousness. We come here to build our consciousness. We're in the consciousness building business here. That's what we do. We're here to work on our stuff. We're here to learn and to grow. To take responsibility for our lives and to create the kind of lives that we want and to know that spirit is alive in us. One of the things that Emerson talked about was getting ourselves out of the path of the divine circuits. That there is something so beautiful, so divine, so alive that wants to express itself through us. That's where our teaching stands on those ideas, those, those things that Emerson put out that are so inspiring even today when he talked about we're breathing the same air, the same molecules of air that Plato and Aristotle and Jesus breathed in their time. We are a part of that same mystery. Let's get after it. And what we're here to do is to build our consciousness. If you look up consciousness and want to get a definition for it, there's a lot of different definitions. I look at it as being awake, being aware, being awake to the truth of who we really are, of stepping into our lives knowing that we're connected with something so big and so beautiful, so amazing, and to live on our lives as if we know that. You know, a couple weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go out to uh, Monterey, California, be a part of a ceremony out there, a doctoral ceremony. And it was at a place called the Silomar, which is uh, a place where people from this movement used to gather with our founder, Ernest Holmes, every summer. And it'd be a week of getting together and, you know, listening to talks and lots of great music and workshops and people down praying on the beach. Just a beautiful, beautiful, sacred place. And we were back there this year for the first time in six years. So it was such a gift for me to be there this year and to, to get to be a part of this ceremony in the chapel where Ernest Holmes used to speak. I got to be in there and it, it was such an amazing honor. And I could just feel the energy from all the prayers in that room. And Ernest Holmes gave his last talk there in that chapel, at that podium right there. And so during the week while we were there, there was a lot of references to his last talk, which has come to be known as the Sermon by the Sea. The last time when he was just talking about this movement and what it meant for him to start this movement. Made his transition not too long after that. But what he was concerned with was the evolution of spirit. And how he wanted us to be a part of it. To be a part of that evolution. To continue to grow. To continue to be open at the top. But to be continuing to allow spirit to express through us in all that we do. So these are a couple of things from that sermon by the sea that he said. We are part of the evolution of human destiny. We are part of the unfolding of the divine intelligence. 
in human affairs. If it were not for that which echoes eternally down the corridors of our minds, some voice that ever sings in our own souls, some urge that continually presses us forward, there would be no advance in religion or science or in the humanities or anything else. Find a thousand people who know this and use it and the world will no longer be famished. How important it is that each one of us in their own simple way shall live from God to God, with God, in God, and to each other. This is why we are here. That's why we're here. That's why we come to church to open up to the greatness that is alive in us right here. You know, when I'm teaching Science of Mind 1, a lot of times, just as soon as I say the word God in the room, I can feel some people cringing, you know? Some of you are cringing right now. Why has he got to use the G word? And I get that. But we also have to look at what's keeping us from getting to the party. If it's a word, if it's a concept, if it's something that happened in our youth, if it's some connection that we have to an old religious form that felt abusive, that felt scary... This is a place to heal it. This is a place to grow our consciousness and to connect with something so much bigger than that. This is why we come to church. So, now that I've become an elder, and it wasn't something that I signed up for originally, but apparently (laughs) it's part of the deal, I can offer a challenge, and I want to throw a challenge out to you this morning. As we move into fall... I challenge all of us to go deeper this year, to go deeper, to open those divine circuits just a little bit more, that spirit might operate in our lives more at a deeper level, to be more of who we are, to let go of the idea that there's a separation between the world, the form, and the world of spirit. It's all one. In this time that we live in, We have really amplified what Ernest Holmes called the race mind, what everybody's thinking about, what everybody's talking about. Our tools of communication in our 24-hour-a-day news cycle amplifies the worst of us all the time. So we come here to remember the best of us and to bring that into the world and to realize that our consciousness makes a difference. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church Podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, text 720-230-1404 or visit us at milehighchurch.org.